Our Father who art in heaven, um, we love you. We pray that you're pleased with our meager attempt to imitate the hosts of heaven who without stop throw back and forth to one another in an antiphonal arrangement. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Father, we thank you for technology, instrumentation, voices, flair, human personality, which all when subjected to who you are and how you intend those things to operate, all combine to make a joyful noise and to praise you. We bless your name and we pray that those who hear of us, those who come and gather with us would never leave the same way, but would be more and more in awe of the Lord Jesus, more and more committed to him, more and more fond of your redemptive plan and our role in it. For those that are visiting, Father, we pray that as they are here for the first time, taking it all in, I'm sure wondering what they got themselves into. May you convince them deep within that they found themselves in the midst of people who worship you in spirit and in truth. If there's anyone in here who's not yours, God, who's never been converted from a natural person to one who's born of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel, would you be uh, kind enough to save them today for your name's sake and give us the pleasure of being instruments who were able to play a part in it. We ask these things because you're God and God alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we got some good news today. We are about to close out our series in the book of Galatians. After many months, we're actually in the final pericope, the final paragraph. And uh, nobody's cheering, so I don't know if that's because you wish Galatians were longer or... You don't believe me. <laughs> However, it's on today. We've been in this series called Life and Light of the Gospel. At Epiphany Fellowship, we believe that there is a crisis today in the church and among Christians. It's easy to hide out and fake a religion it's more difficult to find oneself safeguarding that which they receive, and it's called the gospel. We figured that people either know the gospel as a form of music, they know the gospel as maybe something that, you, that that's religious in nature, but they don't know what the gospel is. And we don't feel funny about reiterating what the gospel is because the Bible does it. We long for people to be energized and rocked off of what the Bible calls the gospel, what the Bible unpacks as good news. Good news hits people who are in need of it and lifts them from where they are. If you're poor and you find some money in your pocket, that's good news. You don't stay the same. You light up. If you're a sinner and you hear about free forgiveness, you light up. And so one of the things that we said is, how do we get our congregation, our body of believers to light up when the world is so difficult to live in? We said, how about good news for them? Is there any book in the Bible that specializes in helping us to understand good news? We looked at Galatians and said, excellent. A book that's all about... <laughs> People who get good news, but then who are urged never to forget that good news. 
And so today we're getting ready to actually look at Paul as he wraps up the book of Galatians, a letter to a group of people who he said were in jeopardy of leaving their, the, the good news that they had. And today there's somebody in here that's been wavering with the good news. Somebody in here never accepted the good news. Somebody in here may have never even heard the good news. You've heard news that you said was good, but you've never heard the good news. So as we wrap up today, Lord willing, you're going to not only hear it, but be encouraged to grab hold of it and never let it go. So we want to talk about never letting go of the gospel. Never letting go of the gospel. I'm going to read it in its entirety, then we'll unpack it. Chapter 6, verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers or brethren. Amen. Never letting go of the gospel. Right now, Paul is ending his letter and he's basically going to give you a quick recap of everything. And this is so good because as we end this series, we know it's been long and it's been drawn out. But we're hoping that you never forget the crux of the book of Galatians. So today, there's just going to be a few things we're going to look at in light of having gone through a whole book that's all about living life in light of the gospel. First of all, the gospel, we hope as a result of this book and as a result of our series becomes for you a personal conviction. The gospel becomes a personal conviction. Everyone is familiar with their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but the Bible really doesn't talk like that like we do. The Bible talks about our common faith, not our personal faith. The Bible wants you personally to have our common faith. Now, you got to have the right faith in order to cash your lot with those who have a common faith. However, the Bible doesn't want you running around, well, I know what I believe in, well, my faith, and the faith I have is, like, that's not how the Bible talks. The Bible doesn't talk like, I'm going to talk to my father in heaven, even though that's a true statement, he's your father in heaven. The Bible urges us to pray like this, our father who art in heaven. When the psalmist gets in the assembly, he he says, yo, make a joyful noise with me. Let us exalt his name. Like the, the, the issue with Christianity is that God has birthed a family and he doesn't want you all individualistic like Americans, like, like we often are. Well, the same thing is our faith or the gospel is our conviction However, it truly must become a personal conviction because eventually you're going to have to stand the test of people who part from the gospel. And the question on the floor is, even if your best friend parts, if your mother parts, if your father parts and leaves the gospel, either in confession or in lifestyle, will you remain in the gospel? I like here verse 11 says, See with what, excuse me, with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. The reason why I say first it must be a personal uh, conviction is because Paul starts talking about I am writing with my own hand. Now, the, most of the times when these, uh, in the Hellenistic period, in the period where these letters were written, they dictated or they, they gave their letters through what's called an amanuensis. An amanuensis. That is somebody who they would say, uh, 
And furthermore, and somebody would just be jotting, killing it. Just, just, just like if you're just sitting down, if you were a big shot and you had a secretary, you say, oh, tell them that I'll be there tomorrow. And she's like, I'll be there tomorrow. And you may say the roundabout thing, but they may make it all spicy and spiffy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm coming tomorrow. He will arrive directly at, you know, that's what Emmanuel did, right? Well, often with Paul, at the end, he would jump in and say, all right, now let me sign it. And he would put, it was common, their letters. They would then write their own little, all right, so everybody, peace, chill, whatever he would write in his day, dot. Romans 16, if you, if you can find it quick without hurting yourself, Romans 16, 22. Romans 16, 22 says this. Now, we all know that Paul wrote one of the beefiest uh, books in the Bible, but he actually didn't write it. It says he, according to 1622, it says, if you found it, I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Does anybody see that in their Bible? I thought Paul wrote it. At the beginning, it says Paul, an apostle, and Paul is running it like he's writing it. Paul is arguing in a Pauline style. Yet we get down here, and somebody will say, ah, Paul didn't write it. See, you're talking about some Paul. Your Bible be contradicting itself. And they get down here. Tertius, I who wrote write this letter, greet you in the Lord. You would feel kind of stupid like, dang. I, like, if you never heard this before, you'd be like, I can't, I can't believe it. Tertius wrote Romans. Well, he did. But as an amanuensis, we got somebody in here that likes ratatouille, right? How many people like ratatouille? Is ratatouille in the building? What are the things? Tui? <laughs> you know, it was, it, there are two professions that seem to me like they're getting over. One is the chef business, and one are the painting business, is the art, 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 yeah, painters. Both chefs and painters, when they're really killer chefs and painters, have a whole bunch of people working for them. The people are in there making all these dishes, and all they do is walk around, taste what you just did, throw a twinkle more, bing, bing, my masterpiece. Take it out and it's their masterpiece. Painters the same way. People are just slashing up the canvas. And they come by and say, oh, beautiful, but wait. Scrabble their name on it. My masterpiece. And it goes for millions. Hundreds of thousands, whatever it is. In the same way, we wouldn't look at them and say, you ain't do that painting. They get to say it's my painting because everyone who's working for them is working for them according to the way they do it. And then they come and just put the finishing touches on it. Similarly, not totally, but similarly, there's no dispute or there's no discrepancy when Paul sits and begins to or when people use an amanuensis to write their letters according to what they're saying and people write it and yet They'll often grab the pen, put their own little subscription on it, and say, Bing, I, Paul, write this. 2 Corinthians 3.16, you don't have to turn to it, after, at the end of the letter says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way, the Lord be with you all, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. They often did that. Right at the end, after letting people like orate, the, orate and letting people write the letter according to their own dictation, then would grab the pen and say, but I, my personal touch on it is this greeting. Colossians 4.18 says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. So my point here is that in this time period, often somebody else would write the letter. They would put the period at the end of it, and they would do that so as to give their own personal touch. Now, if you go to Galatians, here he doesn't just say grace. As you saw, that was two verses for how he ended Thessalon Second Thessalonians. One verse for how he ended Colossians, grace, ping. Here he goes through a whole recap of the book grabs the pen or the stylus and, and begins to almost go back over the bullet points of the whole book. 
He doesn't just say grace and peace to you. He says, now again, I got to talk to you about this gospel. You know why? Because for Paul, this is, is personal to him. The assault on the gospel was personal to him. And so he doesn't just close the book out like you got enough. The gospel pulled him into it because it's not just personal. This is a conviction. The difference between a conviction and a belief, according to the dictionary, is that a conviction is a strong belief. That's when you really believe it. And for some of us, it like we won't be pulled into a defense of the gospel or we're not pulled off the couch of casually dealing with the gospel. But Paul says and shows us and imitates, if we imitate him, that, man, the gospel ought to be a subject that gets you going to the point where you can't sit down and let somebody else get just have all the fun with the gospel. You got to get up in that thing. You can't just stand by and watch somebody butcher the gospel. You got to... I couldn't help but overhear your distortion of the gospel. And I just wanted to say, I couldn't help but overhear that in your church they believe this. You sure you want to? I couldn't help but overhear that one of your favorite preachers believes this. And it's a distortion of the gospel. I just kind of wanted to tell you, for Paul it was personal. You, fi you finished the letter? All right, grab me, this, grab me the stylus. And then he begins to even add on to what's already been his letter. It's personal. It's a conviction. He says here, see what large letters I write? People say, man, we don't understand. Is the large letters because he had bad eyesight? Is it large letters because through uh, persecution his hand was defective? So just he, he, he wrote with much difficulty, but he was just so determined to participate in the personal touch of the letter that when he writes, it's clumsy looking writing. It's large. It's, it, but, but we don't know. But more than likely, what we believe is this was him writing in bold letters, in bold print, emphasizing his own conviction. The, this, see, I'm writing this with my own hand. I didn't grab the stylus. People would have already known that he used the emanuensis. I grabbed the pen for this one. I want to personally chime in and close out with a repeat. The gospel is my conviction. It's personal. I got off the couch for this one. I got from behind the desk. Do you believe it? After all of this, the gospel for you must not just be a cliche, a word we use in church. What we use to talk about a type of music. For us, it must be diehard. There's different kinds of Christians, y'all. They're the kinds of Christians who love God because he's a blesser. He drops down something when something goes up. For others, God is the God of the gospel. Everything continues to come back to this good news that a fallen world, that he could have just spit fire and blown us up. He could have just started it all over again, but he didn't. He announced, and I'm going to send a, a, a seed, and the, I'm going to let the enemy that caused all this mess bruise his heel. Meaning, I'm going to let Jesus Christ catch it. But he's going to crush his head. That's good news. It's, only, it's, only, it's not good news if you think you deserve heaven. It's not good news if you think, well, I'm not that bad. So his, his forgiveness is kind of minor. It's only good news if you know that you're, you're, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel and you deserve God to say, I'm not messing with you. And you think he's glorious. So you're like, please mess with me. All right, I'll mess with you. That's good news. For Paul, he says, look, it's my own handwriting. I can't be indifferent about the gospel. I can't be casual. Verse 12, he shows us because we must beware of the contamination of the gospel. Look, verse 12, we're going to read all the way to 12 and 13. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Look, he says the gospel not only must be a personal conviction, and this is what we hope you leave here with, fitted or no fitted, perm or natural, hat 
old, young. We don't care who you are up in the building. This is what we hope. You walk out of here burning within for the gospel. You know its contents. You know when you hear an aberration. You know when you hear somebody drift from the real gospel. You can hear it. Your spidey senses go off. Did he just say that man earns his way? Uh, Excuse me. Like we, We hope that becomes you. But we also, the Bible says, beware, because the gospel is easily contaminated, easily contaminated. And it starts like this, beware of faulty messengers. Look at this, it is those who, he goes straight for somebody. We ain't just talking about, like, he goes to people, it's those who, in the flesh, who would, in order that they, for even those who, but they, also that they may. First, you got to beware of faulty messengers. I know we like to love everybody today. We like to be nice. We like to, like, but you know what's tragic? We're harder on people who are hard on faulty messengers than we are on the faulty messengers. Soon as you start talking about, ah, I can't get with them because they're false. You can't judge people. You need the love, brother. You're not even loving or not judging me for what you're calling judging them. You're not even being nice to me. I mean, we everybody ain't where you are. Okay, so I'm all right right now. Yeah, you all right, but you are hard on them. Like, well, why are you hard on me if I'm the all right one and we both agree they're not? <laughs> Paul did not have a problem putting opponents of the gospel on blast. He comes right out. He says, beware of the contaminant. He says, look, I'm writing. I got off the couch just to write about the gospel and sum it up and put my signature on it. But don't forget about suckers out there. Those that faulty messengers of the gospel, the Lord Jesus and Paul were cutthroat with their opponents. Where's the love, Jesus? You flipping tables, plaiting ropes. Like, he ain't just grab a rope. It says he was like weaving it together and like, I'm getting ready to catch it. Don't run now. This wasn't impulsive flying off the handle. This is the Lord Jesus showing you. Beware, faulty messengers. Jesus, Moses, Paul, the early church, everybody found themselves in the midst of a religious wave. Like, in other words, the popular religious thing was off. Usually when you hear the solid messengers, whether it be the prophets, they're placed in a time where solidness is not the norm. However, solidness has the masses. Don't feel bad when you look around and all of the humongous churches and rallies and all the people driving the fancy cars, if you would have liked the emperor's new clothes, if somebody would just be honest, they're popular but wrong. But not about peripheral stuff. There's some stuff, oh, it's all right, we differ on that. That's cool. The Bible makes it clear that the gospel is not peripheral. If you're wrong about this, The Bible says, now I got to put you on blast and that we ought to stay away from such. So he says here, right? He says, it's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, faulty messengers who want to make a good showing in the flesh. He says, basically, they also have a, now the faulty messengers with a faulty message. So beware of faulty messengers and beware of their faulty messages. He says, they force you to be circumcised. The whole issue about the gospel is what God has done for you, not something you've got to do. The whole issue, the crux of the gospel is God took sinners who couldn't clean up their own act, who couldn't come to church enough, who couldn't circumcise themselves quick enough, who couldn't, whatever you think you've got to do in order for God to say, you, I want you. He says, but that's their whole, they force you. That's their message. That's how they rig their sermons. They get other people to come and amen them. Since they got a faulty message. They want you to be circled. They're adding to the gospel. This whole book was about freedom from anybody adding anything to the gospel. This is either for God to accept you or for you to like 
be in God's in crowd once he accepts you. Because some people don't believe you needed to be saved. They just believe you need something additional for God to like you as much as he likes them. Yeah, brother, I know you did, but did you get the um, Holy Ghost yet? Well, not yet. Uh, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I know, I know what you said. I know you believed in everything, but you got to get the Holy Ghost in you. That's something in addition. Yeah, but have you been baptized yet? No, I was going to get back. Yeah, well, you know, you need to hurry that up because you're, and the implication is you're not there yet. Yeah, but you won't come up in church looking like that. Yeah, but if I changed it, yeah, but you don't come into God's presence like that. Oh, so if I switch up how I'm, like what I look or how I'm dressed or how I did my hair, would God like me more? That's the implication. He says, beware of a faulty message. They force you to do something. In this case, it's circumcised. Gospel is not about adding or doing anything. He says, but really, not only do they have the faulty messenger with the faulty message, these are cats with faulty motives. Look at verse 12. He says, they want to make a good showing in the flesh. He says, and only so that they won't be persecuted. This phrase, they want to be, make a good showing in the flesh, is only used one time in the New Testament. So really, after this, they found some places in Greek literature that use it. But here, basically the saying is, they want to have a good image based on people who look for external markers to, like, big themselves up. So what he's saying here is, don't worry. The reason why they twist the gospel and ask you to do that is because they know back in round their way, people esteem circumcised people. The Jews or the Judaizers thought that Jewishness made you a cut above. And so they, they basically came from circles that were like, yeah, but did you get any of them to become more like us and so they would give praise reports number reports proud to say that you know uh we have about 17 new gentiles that just got circumcised and the whole place would just cheer like you killing it out there and, and they come back like yo we got three more we got three more what three more say nah three more circumcised so they wanted to go back and in their ecclesial their, their church circles get props for getting people to change something external he says, wait a minute, they just want to have a good showing. I'm not dissing altar calls for many years and occasionally I'll do them. But one of the things about an altar call, for some people when you don't do them, they feel like you're missing out on a chance to showcase something that then we could sort of pat ourselves on the back for. So what happened is they'll want an altar full. In other words, you, you're excited because... Not because you can go inside and see that a transformation has taken place. You're excited because the altar has so many people. So just on externals alone, I feel better about a successful night of ministry. So you say, oh, well, we had about 200 young folk at the Truth concert and they came up to the altar and you feel good. Now, me and Truth, we up there looking at them popping gum laughing with their friends, text messaging at the altar, nudging each other, looking, saying he cute, looking over here, the dude is like, yeah, girl. And so we sit up here like, but based on the externals, I'm not excited. But they are, because then they can go and report. Now, I'm not saying this is everybody, everybody who does altar calls. I'm just saying there's that breed of Christianity today that gets excited on sheer externals. Look at them up in the choir. Now, I'm looking at them up in the choir, sleep during the message, creeping out. I saw them in the bathroom, cursing, talking to some girl, got back into the choir loft, and I'm looking at them like, look at them in the choir. And they're just excited that they, they could be anywhere else, but they up in here as though just externally judging their attendance is what gets God going. He says, no, but this is exactly what they were doing. You circumcised? Now, don't tell, you know, they had public baths. That's how they knew. Um, not like that. You circumcised? Let me see. It's not like that. But I'm saying they had public baths, um, and so that's how they would know. Um, but, however, I'm only saying that to say, um, somehow they knew who was circumcised and who wasn't, and they got excited when they saw you were circumcised. 
hopefully for the right reasons. Now, anyway. But listen, like, like, do y'all see what I'm saying here? As Paul, remember, Paul is ending his letter. He spent the whole book giving you all his long, drawn-out explanation for it. But then at the end, when he could just say, now grace, uh, grace and peace to you, period. He goes back through the crux again, the argument again. He demonstrates that this is a personal conviction of his. And we're saying, please, let this be a personal conviction of yours. And pray to God if you're casual about the gospel. But not only that, he says, yo, man, beware. There's false messengers out there. They have a, 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 a false message. Uh, they add to the gospel. He says, and beware their motives. They like to make a good showing in the flesh. In the flesh means something, like they need something tangible to make themselves feel good about them. They need something external. So they find a way to make everything look like they needed the look in order for them to be excited and therefore have a good showing. This cuts both ways. Because the way they get people to buy into their false gospel, which is externally, external changes, changes on the outside, they know we want to look good in other people's eyes. They do it to look good in other people's eyes. And they know we want to look good in their eyes. That's why the Bible says that when men from James came, Peter started tripping. Because they came and put pressure because of who they were with, like their circles. But when they got there, Peter wanted to look good in their eyes. So he started tripping. And that's most people. Most Christians... Like, tell me what I got to do to be accepted and I'll do it. No, you just need to believe right. Well, like, that ain't going, like, how you going to know if I believe right? Tell me what I can do so that when I do it, you can pat me on the back. So when I do it, you can accept me. How do, what, what should I change about me in order to make you say, oh, you're really spiritual now? You, I can't tell you how many people I, that have come and told me. Well, I was at a church, and they, they, they basically told me I had to speak in tongues. Remember, they forced you to be circumcised. They said I had to speak in tongues. It was about three hours. I was at the altar. We were tarrying. They were like, come on, just say this, just say this, just do this. So eventually I. But they say, because the pressure was on me. So if I have to say this in order for you to say, aha, you got it. Like, you have the thing that makes you one of us now. I'll do it. Says that's why they do it because psh, then you see what happened tonight. Psh, God was in the building, and then they say, psh, "Woo, they like me now, and they let me go." <laughs> Says not only are there motives to look good on the outside based on things that you can only see on the outside, but persecution. Persecution. Look what he says. And they only do it in order that they may not be persecuted for the cause of Christ. Paul knows that in his day, the Jews were so passionate that off-base Jews didn't even like any Jew that was sympathetic to Gentiles. So they felt that funniness like, well, you know, some radical Jews will find out that I'm a Christian Jew who's being nice to Gentiles and may wild on us. So one of the things that they did was Jews would be like, come on, just get circumcised. And they would pressure them to do it, sometimes not even because they thought that it added to them, but, but if they did that, it would look like, see, guys, come on, I'm not soft. I told him to get circumcised and he did. Like, stop, stop pressuring me. So they don't want to be persecuted. And there's an easier way than sticking to the Bible today. There's an easier way to grow the church than trusting the scriptures. There's an easier way to get a better offering. Leave the gospel out. Leave the cross out. Leave Christ as central out. 
What do you want to hear? I know. Aha. I got it. And you can blow a church up and beef an offering up and make people gravitate toward your ministry. If you just get rid of this cross talk, tell me about me. Tell me about my season. Paul says, listen, nobody persecutes. Nobody leaves your church because you're hammering away on how beautiful they are to God and how they're going to be blessed. You never heard nobody say, I got to leave that church. They talking about some my blessing is coming. Like, they don't do that. They say, I got to leave this church. I mean, he don't let me. I'm a sinner, he said, and that God is going to destroy sinners. That's why people leave the cross. I mean, it's just not as banging to the human who is not into this radical way of thinking the Bible calls the cross. It says that's why they do it. So that they won't be persecuted. And you and I must become so in love with the good news that we're not afraid of the persecution that may come with it. And that's you rappers who know you know, especially the streets, we, 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 want the, we want the credit from the streets so desperately. Like, I mean, the reason why you stick with the cross, because you for the church, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I only expect the amen from people in the church, but not even the whole church, just people who love the cross. But when I go to the church, to the streets, if I plan on seeing them go from spiritual darkness to light, I bring them to cross. And I don't expect to get paid off of that. I don't expect them to come out in droves and say, And I could. I know what can work. I know what's popular. I could do it. I wouldn't be like I am, still scratching and sampling for a couple bucks. He says, what do you think? Why do you think ministries change up their doctrine? Why do you think they shift from the cross? Attendance wasn't up. They, like, come on, get away. Like, that's nice and everything, but people want to know. Paul says, this is what their problem was. And I put it on blast. That's all I'm saying. Paul put it on blast. Jesus said this in Luke 2, 22. He said, blessed are you when men hate you, ostracize you, insult you, scorn your name as evil for my sake. Now, he didn't just stop there. Like, blessed are the men when people diss you. Nah, because they probably, like, if somebody dissed you and you may have deserved it. He says, for my sake. He says, be glad in that day. Leap for joy. Don't switch your message up. He says, be glad. Leap. He says, because guess what? This is the way their parents used to treat real prophets. Later on, he went on to say, now, for you that got a bigger fan base and more hits on your MySpace page because you switched up because of the heat, he says, woe to you. Woe to you when they like you because you switched your steez up. He because that's the way they did the false prophets. Ah. Anyway, it's almost one. Let me keep going. Faulty messengers, faulty message, faulty motives, faulty measurements. Look at this. Verse 13. Even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh, boast on your externals. He says, wait, but it's not like the legalism, the adding or judging you by some external thing you could do. It's not like they do it. I can't believe you listen to that music in God's house. Then they go put on their music. Oh, your music is cool. Now, is that the music Jesus listened to? No, but God doesn't have a problem with this. Oh, so, so he, like, you're not even consistent because you're acting like my music is not God, good music because Jesus didn't listen to it. But your music is okay. Like, my dress is not right. But you're not wearing the robes he wore. 
well, you blasting me because I don't keep letters, I mean, numbers um, six through ten of the law, but you don't keep one through four. Says legalism is a trip because even they don't keep the law, but if they can get you to dance and jump through their personal pet laws, then they can boast. Says it doesn't work. Says Galatia, Epiphany, don't use lists and external add-ons to the gospel to judge whether or not you're growing. Well, then what? Then what are we going to do? <laughs> let's, let's keep reading. Verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The gospel, may it become our only confidence and our boast. In the Greek, me is the first word in this sentence. Me, then it's day, which is a, a contrastive, like, they do it in order to. But me, but the but's after me. Me, in contra them, may I not boast in anything except the cross. The me is given emphasis. So he's making a stark contrast between him and them. All division in the church is not bad. In fact, we got to start preaching. Make a distinguishing mark between yourselves. Not to divide so as to cause disruption, but clarity. Clarity. People get upset when distinguishing marks are laid. Uh, I know it's going to get uncomfortable for us. So I know y'all, some of y'all are like, see, that's what I'm saying. He always about division. I got an, I'm like, I got this rep for causing trouble. And I'm like, dang, all I'm saying is, may I never. Paul did it. And he put himself at the, fr at the front of the verse to give emphasis. Me? May I not be like that? Oh, you're so stuck up. No, that's what this is about. It's just far be it from me. This is a distinction. This is a division. They are legalistic and do it to look good. But me... May it be a different story. And it's not I'm boasting in my difference. Let me boast in the cross. The cross. Now, first of all, understand this. He's clashing with Christians. Some would say, yeah, but you know, when it's believers, you just got to like love them and like, like come at them a different way. And, da -da -da. and I'm like, I don't really see that in the Bible. There comes a point where somebody's Opposition to the truth of the gospel makes you just make a distinction. You hold this, I'm holding the absolute polar opposite. Do that. If you're not doing that, you're tricked into thinking you're loving them and you're tricked into thinking, well, I'm nice and I just got the gift of mercy. The, like the, the, the things in the Bible don't contradict one another. And I'm not saying you got to be like me, like all, like right y'all looking like, see, you all just calm down, calm down. I'm just tired of people having no category for division. When he says, but, there are all kinds of contrasting conjunctions in the Bible that's meant to divide. What I said is on that side, and what I'm saying now is on this side. I'm just saying there is a biblical, you're over there and I'm over here. It's biblical. Have a category for that and jump on the right side of the butt. I ain't amen anymore, but that's all right. But that's all right. In the Bible, I'm going to read a passage. Look, 1 Corinthians 1.31 says this. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. The third chapter, the 28th verse says, so then let no one boast 
in men. So there's a bad boasting if you're not boasting in the Lord and you're boasting in men. I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm telling you, I'm hot. I'm the hottest thing to ever pick up a mic. I'm saying you ain't hot like me, though. And you ain't hot like my man, though, because my man, when he drop it, like, that's, that's bad boasting. We have, like, th- there's no church on the planet like our church. And our pastor is the greatest pastor that ever set foot on the globe. Like, th- that's not, even that's not good. Because you're boasting in man. But then, now look, 2 Corinthians, you can turn to this one. And I'm going to give it a close. I'm going to give it a close. Did I get up here late? I don't feel like I've been up here a long time, but I hate when I look at 1 o'clock. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you all. This is the kind of boasting that is normal. 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen 16 to 30 says this. Paul is saying, hold on. Let me boast like most people boast so you can know I don't, like that ain't the kind of boasting I want people to do. He says, so, all right, again I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do, receive me even as foolish so that I also may boast a little. Like, let me, let me do the boasting you shouldn't do. All right. He says, what, I'm, what I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting. See, he said, nah, this ain't the way to the Lord, like this ain't the Lord type of boast. This is that foolish boasting, but I'm going to do it for a little bit just for your sake to play your game. Since many boast according to the flesh, external stuff. I dropped 16 hot ones. I'm, I'm Fortune 500 company. I'm the, he says, that's how most people boast. So let me boast too. You being wise... You tolerate the foolish. I mean, you like people when they wild out. You like people when they big themselves up. So let me big myself up. 20. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. Back in the days, I don't mean to keep using hip-hop analogies, but back in the days we used to be at this, uh, at this rap conference. It was, that was when we were really like... Like, it was just rap conferences everywhere. And so we were there, and there was this one group that was known for, they were battle MCs, Christian battle MCs, right? And so they would just be like, oh, man, you're a whack, you're this, da 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 I'm hotter than you. And that was their whole ministry, and people liked them. Like, and then when we came in and said, that's not Christian, that's a part of the culture we have to part with. Everybody got mad at us and just, oh, y'all are so judgmental. Everybody's got their own ministry. And I mean, this, they were in the audience like, and I don't know why you're even here because you're whack. And, da, 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 I, da, da, da. and the dudes like them. He says, see, you like it when people take advantage of you. If anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face, you like it. We're sitting up here like, don't hit them. Get off me. He can hit me if he wants. Come on, hit me. We're like, yo, you're just, you're just so mean, you're judgmental. These guys, they don't mean anything by telling me I'm whack. Okay. But look, to my shame, I must say we have been weak by comparison. So I guess I am a weak MC. I know I'm weak. I know I'm whack. I know I'm, because I don't believe in that. Look what he says. It says, but whatever, in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Are, are they Hebrews? Now he gets into the realm where this, like, this stuff would rock a certain group. There was a certain group that esteemed these things. So then he says, wait, are they Hebrews? So am I. You, you, you got a company? Oh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, I got a company. You do? Yeah, I got a company. Are they Israelites? So am I. Oh, you grossed a mill last year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we grossed, we grossed a couple mill ourselves. Oh, you got a church? Oh, you got a church? Oh, you planted a church too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got how many? Yeah, yeah, we got a couple hundred ourselves. This is the foolish kind of boasting, but some people, like they think, he says, are they descendants of Abraham? Oh, your elders, they went to what school? Oh, Yeah. That was the school that our school helped put out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got my mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 pastor. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. 
Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. Are you in the ministry? Me too. Huh? What? Five years? Yeah, I remember my fifth year in the ministry. It was like 15. I was like 10 years ago, but, but I was in the ministry. Oh, I know what you're going through at five years. He says, wait, I speak of the same. He says, in far more labors. Oh, yeah. I, I know what it's like, man. You, 20 hours a week in the ministry. Psh, boy. Psh, and you know when you do 40 like me. <laughs> and far more imprisonments. Because some people will be like, hey, I get, you know what I'm I've been locked up for the cause of Christ. He says, I know what that's like. My, I mean, I've been locked up so many times, I forget how many times. Beaten times without number. I gave my body at a rally. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You see this scar? Well, that was from the time when I was, and you see this? Yeah, that was from the time when, and you see that? That was a bullet that I caught. For. Five times, to often in danger of death. Five times I received the Jews' 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things. There is the daily pressure on me concerning the church. Plus, I, I care about the church. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. The Bible says, if you're going to boast... Boast in the cross, not in you, not in your externals. If you're going to have any confidence that God will receive you. We used to say this, if you die, why should God let you in? I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Somebody will say, it, why should he let you in? And the first thing we want to know is if you're going to rattle off a list or if you're going to say you shouldn't. But the cross. If you are ready to rattle any answer other than the cross, you're boasting in the wrong thing. He says, me, may I not boast in anything. May I not have any confidence. May I not boldly shout. The only thing that should gain me acceptance to God is the cross. And I don't even understand why he would do that for me. I help people. That's a boast, but it's not in the cross. I wasn't that bad. That's a boast. That's not the cross. But I raised my kids when my husband walked out on me. That's a boast, but it's not the cross. Right now, we got candidate, one candidate that's like, look, I know I don't measure up by the way we normally judge, but let me rattle off why. I won this, I won that, plus a lot of people this and a lot. Those are boasts. It says glory in the cross. I don't understand. Most people wouldn't know why you were glory in the cross. Why would we glory in death? Right now, a friend of mine told me he went to a church. They were talking about possessing promises. They were like, yo, we, I want you to come and I want you to talk about, talk about the promises. And so he went in there and tried to put a proper perspective on the promises. And he started talking about the promise that we will suffer and the promise that there's a cross before a crown. And it was quiet as a mug in there. You know why? Because people don't boast in the cross. They don't boast in our suffering. They don't boast in our weakness. We boast in the other thing. Paul says, no. But why? Why would you boast in that, the reverse? Right now, there's a man that you know, Curtis Jackson. I'm going to close. Curtis Jackson, known as 50 Cent. Before, there was, there was an event in his life that happened. Almost cost him his life. Before that, he was an MC. He was killing it, but nobody cared. He was doing his thing, but couldn't land a deal. He went through one label after another label after another label. Nothing. Then one night, he was left for dead. Bow, 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 bow. Nine times shot. 
After that, by God's grace, God's goodness, which should lead him to repentance. After that, he got up by God's grace. And from the day of his near death, this analogy breaks down because it was near death and not death. He got a new swagger. He was given new street credibility. He talked and rapped with a slur that wasn't what he had before. And all because he almost died, he now had been given a new bill of life in hip-hop. Now, all of a sudden, just because of the almost death, the near death, 11 million sold. The deals he couldn't get, he now got. Next album, 9 million sold. Next album, several million sold. All of his friends, millions and millions and millions, bought a company for 250, I mean, sold his, his share, his stock in vitamin water. Now, it... Now all his money, all of his land, all of his, you can trace back to dying, nearly. You think he will, yo man, if I could do it all again, I wouldn't die. I'd just be the dude I was before they shot me. Now he glories in the day he got shot. He owes everything that he has to almost losing his life. But the Bible says, I can raise you one. It wasn't an almost death. It was in his death. It was the actual death that has now changed the game for us. Before his death, we couldn't, we couldn't win. You couldn't conquer sin. You couldn't get victory. You were on your way to hell. God wasn't hearing your prayers other than just taking a log of them and doing what he sovereignly wanted to do because he's got a sovereign plan. But then upon death, and the Bible says when he died, those of us that are in Christ, you died. Listen, y'all, the world won't glory in the cross, neither will carnal Christians. Earthly Christians won't glory in the cross, won't preach messages about the cross and like it, won't preach too many of them, even if they do. Yet every week we talk about crucified, laid behind a stone, Jesus died, slain for sinners. Uh, everything is about slain and saying, and he says, you know why? Because when we start talking about us relating to God, there's only one boast. He died. You don't even hear him talk about resurrection, even though it's a, it's a given that he resurrected. God mysteriously and strangely likes to focus on in your death is your life. False prophets, false teachers always make a beeline to crown. Genuine gospel-centered Christians always remember the cross and preach it. And don't preach like, yeah, yeah, but, and get away from it. We stay there because you can't, you you can't glory in 11 million souls. We keep remembering. You only got that because you got shot nine times. You can't glory in now I got victory over sin. Yeah, because you died to sin in Christ and was raised. He even says that. He even says, man, the world has been crucified to me and I've been crucified to the world. Look what he says here. He says, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The implication here is that if the gospel gets a hold of us, y'all, worldliness then is on the forbidden list. The world doesn't glory in the cross. The world glories in self. Even Kanye is stronger. That which don't kill me. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, because the yo, kill me will make me stronger. That's good perspective, Doc. Then he get into his verse. Bow in the presence of greatness. Because right now, like, you like, see? You was on a good track. You were talking about something like stuff come, doesn't kill you, but it, it, God uses the cross in your life to sort of, like some Christian would be like, no, you're a Christian, I'm serious. Remember, because stuff that don't kill you, that's the cross, you know what I'm saying, will make you stronger. That's what Jesus does. He, he kills you in order to build you up. Ah, I know. See, my problem is, Listen, remember I tell you, this is a recap. This pericope is a recap. Look, look, look what he says here. I'm, I'm, I'm closing, I'm closing. Look what he says here. Neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. 
but a new creation. The gospel is good news that has its greatest good news internally first, then externally. So what that means is the only thing that matters to God is have you been made new from within because eventually that will transform your outside. See, if you judge me because of how I'm dressed, you're externally focused. But I could be fresh dip on the inside, clean as a whistle on the inside. If you judge me because I'm black, you haven't judged me like based on something that has no ethnicity. My soul, which is the new creation, the newness that God has done. When the Judaizers wanted the Gentiles to adopt their external customs, what they were failing to realize is God's not judging them on how well they keep somebody else's rules, but God has accepted them by making them new. And so he says, circumcision is nothing really. And I'm the one who came up with it. Not being circumcised is nothing. Because sometimes we go the other way. Dressing off, oh, in a suit ain't nothing. You got to get like this. No, dressing in jeans is nothing. Dressing in suits is nothing. Hair long is nothing. Hair short is nothing. He says none of it matters. God looks straight past all that, straight into are you born again? Are you a new creation? That's the thing that God wants you to know. Hey, do you have a faith that focuses on being made new on the inside now, eventually what's on the inside will show up on your outside. Your purchases will tell us something about whether or not you're new or acting consistently with new. What you watch will tell us whether or not inside you're new. If you got a hot flash, he's like, something's wrong with me. Go to the doctor. They tell you, oh, yeah, on the inside there's something wrong. Same thing. If you love, if you love Christ, if you love the gospel, you must be new. Because, yeah, you're right, because I used to just love weed. I used to just love sex outside of marriage. I used to just love clubbing. But now I'm new on the inside, so I have new passions, so I go new places. I have new friends. I, like The outside is impacted by the new. But when you're judging each other, we want to know, are you new on the inside? Because now we can live our lives according to a different paradigm, not externally focused, but internally focused. 16 says, and as for all who walk by this rule. So the gospel is our confidence. It should also be our commitment, our commitment to because he says, as for all who walk by this rule. Anytime the Bible says walk, it's talking about something you must keep doing consistently. Walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. <clears throat> Once again, he holds peace and mercy. A unique commendation is to people who hold a certain mindset. I know for us, people that are off base get all of our peace and mercy. Peace and mercy to them. Stop judging them. But in the Bible, peace and mercy is given to all who walk by this rule. The implication is I'm not just generic peace and mercy because I just love everybody like Jesus. There's a unique sense in which peace and mercy to those who walk by this rule. I know it's rough. I know it's tough. It's not popular to embrace the cross. It's not popular to, to harp on the gospel. But peace and mercy goes to those who walk by this as a rule, who are not externally driven and externally focused as a rule, but who are driven and attracted to new birth, new life, and the, and the cross of Christ. Peace to you. And to the Israel of God in a book where the conflict was between Jews and Christians, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians or non-Jew Christians. He says peace to both the church generically and those who eschatologically, the Bible says all Israel will be saved. All those Jews any belief in Jesus Christ, when God comes back and he brings that temporary hardness that's on Israel's eyes, the Bible says that temporarily, oh, I'm losing y'all, 120. Uh, the Bible says that there's a hardness that temporarily exists on Israel's eyes so that the Gentiles could have a chance to get in with God and God could pull their full number. Then he's going to take that scale off their eyes and they will come. He says, yo, peace to the cats, that, the church general, and those that God still has a work to rally up the Israel of God. Now that's disputed. 
A lot of people feel like that's Israel replacing the church because that chi, that and could mean even. Peace to those who walk by this rule, even or more specifically, the Israel of God. And there's a sense in which we have been engrafted. You can look at us all as this is the Israel of God, just like he said, y'all are all the true children of Abraham. But we also believe that while he's in there, he's not dividing the people of God, but he is he probably is looking forward to. But that's all right. This hardness won't remain forever. So he closes out in this conclusion from now on. Let no one cause me trouble. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Once again, his whole focus is has there been an internal reality? Has the gospel done anything to your internals? That's why he says, grace be with your spirit. He says, don't let people trouble me because I, I, I bear the marks. Y'all, we've been through this book because we believe that the church needs to understand the gospel and not get away from it. This is not popular and we pray that you will, you will expect this from us, expect this from each other, expect this from other churches. Don't just say, well, everybody's got their own ministry. The reason why we're spending this time is because the whole book is talking about this as central to any ministry. This is the equalizer. This is essential to any Christian, any church, any ministry. If it's Christian... It finds its core here at the gospel. And it must be our personal conviction so that everybody must jump up and get pulled into the war because it's easily contaminated. Let this be your confidence. Don't tell God I, I anything. You, your cross. And it must be our commitment. Peace to all who live their Christian life, who walk as this with this rule, a gospel rule. Peace to any church that walks with the gospel as their rule. Remember, not come to the front a whole bunch of people. Internal salvation, conversion on the inside, which we can't judge based on externals. How many of y'all understand what I'm saying today? If you're not saved in here, the Bible says the problem is not because you smoke and you drink and all these things on the outside. The Bible says because everybody's just born dead on the inside. New creation means that God breathes life into your dead inside. And all the Bible says, all you have to do is believe. But it's not mental only. It's throwing yourself at a God who says, I ain't going to make you work for it. Because you'll never earn it. I'm going to just give it to you if you throw yourself at the Lord Jesus Christ because of his cross. Let's just bow our heads real quick. Father, in the midst of the heat, we pray that you will draw.